everybody, and welcome. Today is Saturday, June, July, July 6th, 2019, and you are loved. Uh, before we begin, there are some kind of cool things to keep in mind. One, on July 27th, 20 days from tomorrow, we are going to be having a mental health charity stream. Uh, to help raise money for TakeThis.org, the Trevor Project, as well as the Tiny Changes organization. We are going to be giving away some sweet prizes, including the uh, Elderwood Academy Tiny uh, tiny Dice Hex Chest that has a little keychain adaption. And when I say tiny dice, this is the size of a regular dice. So, itty bitty teeny boys. And we got three of those that we're going to be giving away. We also got giveaways for... The Mighty Nine uh, Kickstarter miniature set that got backed, as well as a bunch of other stuff. So if you are interested in winning some prizes and help raising money for a good cause, consider checking that out. We're going to have a bunch of fun games. We're going to have a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, other things to keep in mind is that we do streams Monday, Tuesday, Thursdays, and now Saturdays, usually at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. But Saturdays, I decided to hit up an earlier time slot between 11 and 2, as that way I can have awesome people on the show, like Cyberwolf or uh, our other friend, Satan, who has a show later in the day. So this way, you can get the maximum amount of people that you want per day from our community. Community. Uh, other than that, we do have uh, one mild last thing that we normally have, which is merch. Hey guys, do you like seeing merch stuff? Well, good for you, because we got the Moon Maidens t-shirt. We got a poster you can't currently see with this setup. We got sweatshirts. We got posters, including the uh, Arjan uh, Dragon Daddy meeting poster, which was super cool. We got mugs that I can Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's <laughs> Day. Uh, we got uh, some sweet mugs that you can fill with all sorts of liquid. And because we're playing early on a Saturday, I can fill mine with coffee instead of water. So look forward to me being caffeinated on this stream. It's going to be fun. Uh, other than that, you can uh, find all of that merch at bit.ly slash adventure merch. Uh, if you would like to pick up some for your own and help support the show. Uh, we also have VODs for all of our shows that we do. So that is our homebrew game, Curse of Stride, Ghost of Saltmarsh, even these games, uh, up on youtube.com slash indoor adventures, or you can find us where a, bleh, you can find us where you can find any other kind of audio cast. So places like Stitcher, Podbean, uh apple i i would say itunes but i think they're discontinuing itunes so apple podcasts uh you can find us there you can find us pretty much anywhere and if you can't find us on your preferred audio listening app let me know i will do my best to put ourselves there so i believe that is it for my spiel which means sarah where can we uh no that's the end bit of the show sarah who are you playing tonight um, I'm playing Alora, a human barbarian, and she's very awkward, so it should be good for me. <laughs> All right, and Jen, who are you playing tonight? I'm playing Rowan Daffield, a halfling fighter. Okay. Uh, then Cyber, who are you playing? I'm playing Cornell, who is surprisingly not a warlock. He is a, he was a human druid. All right. 
Alrighty. And GB, who are you playing tonight? I'm playing Slam Gob Ugteeth. The first chosen of Mogu! Uh, Warlock. Uh, Pact of the Blade. So. Alrighty. Sounds good. So. Uh, for all of you listeners at home, this is a level three one-shot. It is taking place in my homebrew world, the world of the four keeps that you usually see behind me. However, this event takes place maybe about 40, 50 years before the actual four keeps got about their adventures. It takes place also not in the lands that you typically see behind me, but far across the Sea of Burning Night in the lovely sleepy, sleepy port town of Port Eris. Uh, a town renowned for its guild presence. Uh, if you have seen our uh, our four kids adventure that our dear friend Cyberwolf ran, it, this is the same city as uh, the events that took place there. So, uh, you guys have been a... Do you feel like you would have been an adventuring group for a while at this point? You've I'm going to assume so. Uh, but you have all heard that uh, there is a festival that Port Eris holds, and it is called New Gear's Day. And in the New Gear's Day festival, the Tinkerer's Guild kind of, uh, that is when they consider their holy day uh, too gone to be. And so the entire city turns into a very large festival town. All of the other guilds get in on this and make sure that things can kind of go off without a hitch. Again, there is a very heavy guild presence in this town, and at the center of this town is a massive clock tower. Uh, and it is used not only as a base clock tower, but also as a lighthouse to kind of keep, to make sure that all of the ships coming into Port Eris have a location with which to aim, uh, if they are ever possibly coming in at night or during a stormy location, or during a stormy time. So, you guys have found yourself at the city gates and are making your way into town, and you see that there are a plethora of carnival games. Uh, it looks like there are contests of strength, there are, like, weird rope ladders that you have to try and climb from one end to the other without falling off or falling over. Uh, it seems like you can also win prizes uh, possibly doing this, but from your general look... Uh, it does not seem like there are actually any taverns or places that have any openings that would allow you to stay in them. Uh, as New Gear's Day is a very prominent holiday in Port Eris, uh, er, at least at this time. So you are finding it very difficult to actually go out and locate uh, a place to stay. So you end up talking to several guards, uh, and they let you know that there is a place kind of farther off from the city proper uh, that they believe would actually have some housing in it. And that place is known as the Hotel of the Laughing Tree. Uh, and as you guys make your way out of the city and actually arrive at the location where this hotel is, you can see why it is named that. Uh, it is a two-story tall building that looks like it has the tavern on the lower half, uh, and then a set of stairs built into the outside, more of like a western saloon that lead up to a top floor that has, a, uh, that has space for several other rooms as well. 
and as you approach you see that there is a large tree that is actually growing near this tavern uh, and inside of this tree is uh, actually what looks to be a horse's skull. Uh, it seems that as the tree was growing up, as nature will sometimes just grow over, uh, like you'll see it sometimes growing over bikes or it'll grow over rocks or any other kind of object that's just been left there. It seems like this skull was actually trapped in this tree as it grew. And now uh, within the tree itself, the top half kind of looms down, the bottom half kind of also uh, drops down a little bit off kilter to make it look like this horse skull is actually laughing inside of the tree and you would assume that that is the namesake of this bar that you guys have found yourself at but as you are making your way up you are going to be passing several individuals coming back to the festival uh so what do they see as you guys are making your way up so kind of describe yourself so that way our viewers and listeners at home have a good understanding of kind of what your character looks like Uh, I'll start. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, as you look at Slamgob, he's a massive half orc. Um, he's got a great club that he kind of thumps like a walking stick. He carries upside down, like like so, <laughs> this way, and he like uses it like a walking stick or like a you know wizard might use a staff. Uh, he's got bones and skulls hanging uh, about his neck, like. Which I forgot to grab, but like, yay, you know, little raven skulls and whatnot. And um, you notice that next to him, like kind of half hidden behind him, is a is a little goblin, and the goblin has a massive pack on its back, and is uh, following along, and he's in uh, dark dark robes, big cowl, and um, just generally looks spooky. All right. Uh, who would like to go next? Uh, as uh, people get a look at uh, Cornell, uh, they see a like um, not quite six foot tall uh, human, uh, suntan skin, but definitely like Caucasian. Um, like he's from a, a northern region that typically doesn't get a lot of light, but he's been traveling for a bit. Um, dressed in a lot of greens uh some furs on his back um his uh his sleeves would be rolled up at this point and you would see like um sort of like uh tribal tattoos like sort of going down his uh left hand all right awesome rowan what do you look like rowan is a three foot tall halfling probably no bigger than the goblin She's got a very serious look about her. Uh, soft golden brown skin, a braid that comes over her shoulder, faded red overcoat with uh, traveler's clothes underneath, well-worn boots and a pack. She doesn't seem to be carrying a weapon on her side, but she carries this sense of authority and seriousness, and she knows what she's doing about her. All right, excellent. And as the camera pans over, what do we see from Elora? Um, Elora is following kind of a few steps behind everyone. Um, she's tall, er, um, she's five seven, but she doesn't like being five seven. She's the tallest in her family, so she kind of walks a little like 
like don't know i'm here you notice me but i don't want you to um add to that she has a giant mane of unruly curly blonde hair that just she sticks out like a sore thumb bless her heart and um she's just she just kind of follows along and doesn't really want to be noticed doesn't particularly want to go anywhere other than back to the woods to just talk to animals and trees and be on her own all right sounds good uh so as the four of you make your way to the hotel of the laughing tree uh looking inside you do see that even though this place is packed uh there is actually a table available it looks like uh there is a group that is just standing up kind of clearing off their space making their way out uh that would allow the four of you to sit and kind of just observe the surrounding area uh and uh as you are uh kind of taking in the the sights of this local area uh you see that there is you would expect that on a holiday of some sort that you would see a bustling kitchen staff that you would see at least a few servers regardless of the size of this current establishment that you would at least see some people but it looks like there is currently just one guy uh that is running into the back running out getting orders uh running into the back again you'll see him come out several minutes later with plates of food it looks like he is just soloing this entire event to himself uh but he looks like he is running ragged uh and he will make his way up to the four of you and just say uh hello my name is aj i am the uh i'm the proprietor of this bar is there anything that i can get you uh alcohol food um uh anything just anything that you want you need a room uh we have a few rooms left but for the most part they they are kind of going fast so if you really want one kind of uh, time is of the essence uh each of us want our own rooms I can bunk up with someone, save us some money. I got two rooms. Two rooms, then. I'll okay. Putting you down for two rooms. Uh, because it is the festival, uh, each room is going to be five gold pieces. Okay. okay. I lay down ten. There you go. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, and you see him collect the gold. Uh, into his apron like there is a front pocket that he looks like he's just kind of scooping it into to hold the coinage at this time uh, and he says so uh, uh, drinks food what can I get you guys uh, all of the above yeah and he puts out a couple gold and he looks down and he says Scarbob give him a hand and Scarbob plumps off his pack and he's like gotcha boss and he's gonna help AJ out he like stands there like waiting okay. to be told and, what to do and aj just uh uh do you know do you know how to bus it's really easy and he's just like he's directing it at this goblin and the goblin just <laughs> nods very quickly all right awesome thank you uh clear off that table Get that stuff over there, and then we'll figure it out from there. Meet me in the kitchen after you've got those. And Goblin just nods again, and you see him scurry away. Uh, and leaving the four of you at this table, uh, is there anything that you guys would like to talk about? 
since you have a little bit of a quiet moment before the food and drinks actually arrive. Out of character, real quick, we have a barbarian, druid, fighter, warlock, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And and how ha have we traveled together? I mean, for I would say yes. Okay. All right. So we kind of got a feel for who does what and, and that kind of thing. So, uh, mm -hmm. okay. Um, Slam Gobble will say, so what's our focus here in the city? Well, I think it'd be just to have fun. I mean, it's a festival, right? Rowan kind of peeks up over the table. Yeah, it's a festival. <laughs> sits back down. Yeah, and as you... Uh... Even from outside of the city, you can see one of the main attractions that they have during the festival, and that is the Tinker's Wheel of Wonder. Uh, and there are three of them. And what it looks like is a Ferris wheel has been set up. There are carriages. There's this large kind of circular, uh, more, again, kind of circular uh, apparatus to kind of keep it all together. But rather than using any kind of electricity or uh, other means of actually keeping it as a uh, as an automatic thing, it looks like they have actually teamed up with the uh, jesters and acrobats of the city, and they have they are inside of these large Ferris wheels. They actually seem to be jumping from bar to bar, grabbing onto pulleys, pulling it down, kind of using that centrifugal motion to keep these wheels of wonder turning. Um, mm. As the more uh, as the more human force behind the automation. Um, and again, there are three different sizes of it. You can see that there is a Wheel of Wonder that is about 20 feet. Then there's another that's 30. And then there is an even larger Wheel of Wonder that you don't know how many actual tumblers it takes to keep this thing turning. Uh, but it is about 50 feet tall. So the attractions is what we'll see today. Uh, yeah. I guess... I mean, Cornell is obviously looking like very awkward and out of place uh, here. So it's just like, uh, yeah, if that's something that y'all want to do, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure staying here for a couple of days wouldn't be too bad. Rowan? I think that's pretty good. You want to do anything, Alora? a drink <laughs> well we can have a drinking contest that's pretty done good but i have to say i am the best drinker and the daffield family and i can out drink you all and well said well said it is at that point that uh aj actually returns with your food and drink uh and says is there anything else that i can get i can get any of you uh while i'm while i'm still up and moving on it his name is Scarbob, right? Scarbob, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, if, if it's not too much trouble, can I... Do you mind if I just keep him here for a little bit? Like, I can I can pay you. I can pay you guys in in, in drink, if you would like. Uh, we do have a little bit of a surplus here, but... Fair enough. We'll take it. Whiskey. Yes. Yes, of course. Uh, and you see AJ kind of rushes off to the back again. 
and the figure that actually comes out with this whiskey is not AJ himself, uh, but you actually see that there is what looks to be about a 10-year-old girl uh, who is just carrying this bottle kind of closer to her chest, and she uh, comes up to the lot of you, and she sets it down onto the table uh, and just says, uh, Thank you. Um, He smells funny. And she kind of, like, points to the back, uh, referencing Scarbob. Um, she says, but, but he's, he seems nice. Um, he's, he said that, um, he said that you all were, were the adventure, adventurer hero types. Yes, that's our business. Um, um, I was wondering if I could possibly ask you something. And before she can finish, you see AJ comes back out and she kind of looks over, uh, and says, I'll be right. I'll be back soon. Uh, and she makes her way uh, into the back as AJ continues to deliver food. But you guys now have your bottle of whiskey between the two of you. Uh, well, rather for the table. So if you would like to determine who truly is the best at drinking. <laughs> I'll pour some, I'll set four glasses down and pour one for each of us. Now. It's just a halfling thing. It's a rite of passage. I mean, you're not as old as I am, but welcome to the family. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, whoever is participating in the drinking contest, uh, make some constitution saves. Okay. <laughs> That's a six for Rowan. <laughs> Best drinker in the whole damn family. Instant rosy cheeks. Slam Bob got a seven. <laughs> Seventeen. Okay. And then what did Elora get? Can't hear you. Not muted. Okay, we can hear you this time. What'd you get? Uh, which dice do I roll? Uh, D20 and then add your constitution save. All right. Seven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so the lot of you, uh, minus Cornell, as you take this, as you take this shot of whiskey, are just like, ooh, oh, that burns. And then you realize that it's probably not like a standardized distilling process throughout the throughout all of the realms. So as it kind of settles into your gut, it begins to definitely definitely feel a lot more burny uh, than you had initially <laughs> given it credit for. But uh, after just this singular shot, it's like okay, that's pretty good. Like you're you're feeling it after a single shot, which seems ridiculous, but. Then you look over at Cornell and you just, he seems fine. Are y'all okay? It's good stuff. Really? Good. <laughs> Cornell, drink again! As I said, another glass in front of him. It's a full glass, not a shot glass this time. Okay. <laughs> Make another constitution save, Cornell. I cannot discern the differences now. <laughs> Fifteen. Yeah, you just... Drink this whole thing like it's 
It's all right. You're I, not it, sure why it's hitting your friends so strong. It, it, this this really isn't as good as the stuff that I could get back home. But what can you get back home, Carnell? Straight wood alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> it's just absent. It's, it's like the worst kind of IPA, but for for Cornell, it's just like yeah. I'll just tap the table. Let it be known, Carnell. It's the best of us all. As I take the jug and just doubt it. Oh my god. Okay, make uh, make a constitution save at disadvantage because you are already feeling kind of sloshed. Okay, so that was a uh, ten. <laughs> you still you managed to keep your feet, but man, mm, you just drank a lot. You're not feeling too good right now, but, like, holding it in. That's the important <laughs> part. Your breath is probably a bit flammable at this point. Amazing. Uh, but, yeah, so as you guys are just destroying this bottle of gratuity whiskey that was given to you, uh, you see that, uh, again, the bar is rather busy, and uh, this little girl peeks her head out from behind the bar and it looks like she has something bundled up uh, in a towel on her chest and she will come over to your guys' table and she will pull out another bottle of whiskey and set it onto the table uh, for the four of you <laughs> and she says my dad's busy helping helping Scarbob uh, learn how to sear things properly so I, I figured that this would be a good enough time to kind of come out um you all seem like adventuring types, and I was wondering if you could possibly help me and my dad. Um, yeah. He, every year, the Brewers, the, the Brewers Guild and the Tinkerers Guild, well, the Tinkerers Guild and other guilds, uh, end up kind of getting together and, and determining which guild will have the honor of bringing out the the gear for the new gears festival it's it's really big it's brass and they they add it to they add it to the great clock in the middle of town and well it was it was my dad's turn to to watch it as as part of the brewers guild and and it's gone hmm. and he's been he's been too busy and cooped up here to to really ask anybody for help and i know that he's he doesn't really want to ask other people for help. He's really, he's kind of, he's thick-headed about it. But um, I was wondering if, if, if maybe you all could. And uh, Slam Gob looks at everybody. If there's nobody shaking their head, like no way, then he'll. Is anyone looking concerned about it? I mean, okay. Cornell's looking concerned, but okay. Well, then Slam Gob will say, I'm more blue, we shall find the gear. And he slams his great club on the <laughs> on the ground. As Rowan reaches up to take the bottle, we'll find it, of course, and brings it back down. Or is just going to kind of look towards where their rooms would be and just be like, I'll help. And anything, anything you could tell us, little one? Um... He was keeping it out out in the shed behind the behind the well behind the tavern, and then a couple nights ago, it's gone. Hmm. And then he said that he was supposed to have help today, but 
that you know call no showed. Mm. Probably. What is this? She was just a human girl from town. Mm. Probably out enjoying the festival. Mm. And what was her name? Um. Her name was Elsie. Elsie. Mm. Well, let's start with the help. Okay. Uh, and she, uh, and the girl says, well, I mean, I don't see why Elsie would have any reason to, to make off with the gear. Everybody in town loves the ceremony. Uh, could you show us where the shed is? And she'll, uh, nod. Um, and, uh, again, like making sure that her dad isn't seeing her lead you guys out and around. Uh, she ends up taking you out to uh, what looks to be a tiny little garden uh, outside of uh, the back of this tavern. And as you are uh, taking stock of it, you see that there is just sort of a smaller ramshackle shed. And she points and says, it was that one. Um, I have to get going back inside uh or else my dad might notice that i'm gone but you, you're all free to, more than free to look around and if he asks uh, i'll i'll tell him that i said it was okay and then uh little girl ends up saying thank you to all of you again and then makes her way back into the tavern leaving you outside um don't worry little one and she just gives you a a very uh wide smile and says i'm not worried we have adventurers on our side uh and then she'll head back uh into the tavern um is is the door to the to the shed like open or it looks closed uh but as you get closer to it you can see that uh a new like a very fresh new uh doorknob has been put on uh and it looks like around the area where the door was previously uh, or where the doorknob was previously you can see that there are these kind of like gouging uh these deep gouging cuts that are actually in the wood kind of going along where the uh where the doorknob was if you would like, you can make a insight check to kind of get a good idea as to what happened here. Okay. Or if you would like, you can make a nature check uh, to figure out what would have made these markings. Uh, I, I would have liked to use a nature check. Okay. And I'll assist. <laughs> okay. Uh, Whenever I make a nature check because of my uh, because of my dragon mark, uh, I can get an intuition die for this. So I'll roll a d4 as so well. One. Okay. With advantage. Yeah. Uh, that was a 15 plus 2 plus 1. 16. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Not bad. <laughs> with your 16 and also with uh, Slam Gob's help, uh, 
you actually very easily recognize what markings these are. These look like uh, the claw marks of goblinoid hands. Uh, it definitely helps that uh, Scarbob is a goblin, so you have most certainly seen his little claw marks either in the dirt or on wood, sometimes on metal or on other things that you guys have fought through your travels together, but you definitely recognize tiny little goblinoid claw marks. Uh, and it looks like they had kind of scratched their way to get into uh, to get into this door previously. Looks like uh, goblin markings. So that's cool. Uh, and he'll open the door. And uh, what what do we what do we see in the shed? So looking into the shed. Uh, one of the things that uh, you notice is that it looks like it is in uh, kind of a general disarray. It does not look like it has been very well kept or possibly put back together since the goblins raided it. Uh, what you're assuming several days ago, you can see that there are definitely like... There are tools or markings where tools used to be that were outlined with chalk... Uh, on hangers on the walls that are just no longer present. Uh, and you can see that uh, there are actually deep groove marks in the wood uh, from where it looks like something very large and heavy was dragged out of this uh, of this shed. Alora and Rowan, will you look for some tracks for us, please, outside? Yeah, let's go look for some tracks. Yes. Growing just kind of toddles off looking for anything. All right, so that is going to be either survival or perception. Okay, I'll, I'll do perception. Uh, oh, a unnatural 20. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right. Uh, and Alora, what did you do? Eighteen. Eighteen? Okay, yeah. So, with the eighteen, you can kind of see, uh, where the drag marks from inside of the shed led to, which was just sort of, like, pulling them through the garden. Uh, and then you see that those drag marks stop, and then a pair of footprints kind of comes into the ground from there. And they look like they are much deeper in the soil uh, than any of the other footprints were. And it looks like the creatures that raided this shed switched from dragging something to carrying it over their head. Uh, and so the two of them are just sort of leaving heftier footprints traveling off. Uh, but... Rowan, as you look about uh, at these footprints, not only do you see these footprints that have carried uh, this large, heftier thing, you also spot that there were two other sets of footprints that led out from here. It looks like there was a small grouping of goblins that had actually come, uh, and you can tell that there were about four of them. And then, uh, Rowan, you and Alora note that the footprints lead off to the northeast, uh, which there is a large wooded area uh, to the northeast that you're assuming the goblins might be making camp in. Going northeast will be a bit hard in this tundra, don't you think? But it'll be fine. We're adventurers, aren't we? 
I just pat uh, Laura's leg and go tell the others. Uh, while they were out looking for tracks, uh, I just kind of wanted to get a, a, one more look around the shed to see if the goblins left anything or if there was anything specific other that we might notice. Okay. And Cor Cornell would be looking around for like any barn, uh, barn owls, uh, rats or mice, anything making shelter here. Okay. Uh, make a survival check to look for any kind of animal that would be there. Uh, and then uh, Slamgob, make a perception check as well. Perception or investigation, because you're kind of more honing in. Uh, I got 13. Okay. Oops. Nine. Okay, so with a nine, uh, as you continue to look around, you see that there is actually, uh, there are several utensils that have kind of been left on the ground, and these definitely look fancier and more ornate uh, than the uh, cutlery that was used by AJ. Uh, and the thing that you notice is that these are, like, it is a gold fork and a gold knife. Okay. And they, again, just have a very intricate design based on them. Pocket them, just to be sure. Hmm. Uh, and then with the nature check, uh, as you are kind of poking around, you definitely find uh, a small family of rats that have kind of that are kind of living off in a corner. Uh, they seem to have chewed through the back end of the uh, of the shed itself and are just kind of have this little uh, little rat hobble. Okay, so he's gonna like like crouch down, uh, and what everybody else is gonna hear is squeak, 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 squeaker. Uh, but he is. Uh, <laughs> It's just like, oh, hey, sorry, I didn't mean to disturb you. Um, I mean, I'm here because a couple of nights ago something went missing from here. Did you see anybody come in that probably wasn't supposed to besides like us? Uh, and what the rest of you hear is just... Just like little rat chatters. Uh, and then uh, Cornell, what you hear is, yeah, we saw him. We saw about four of thems. All just coming in here. They weren't the tall man who gives us the cheese. And they weren't the little girl who gives us the breads. They were mean. They were bitey. They tried to take me. They tried to eat me. I could see it in their eyes. Do you know what sort of person this was? Person? They were monsters. They were baddies. They, they looked like the big one that you got on your side. Oh, well, I promise he's not going to eat you. You're not going to try to eat these rats, are you? No. Okay. See the yeah, rat he... kind of like wipes its forehead a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to try to eat you. Well, that's good. Uh, uh, they had did... they had teeth like knives and, and, and little stabby hands. Uh, and did you see where they go, did you? Well, I guess you wouldn't understand anything that they were saying. No. Huh, okay. Uh did you did you see which direction they were going? 
and, and I'm guessing at this point, uh, Rowan and Allura would be walking in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just kind of say no. Uh, we were too scared. We stayed back in here. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you so much for your help. And I'll... Uh, do do I have any rations on me? Any, like, pieces of bread? Yeah. yeah you just I'll, had some food. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll hand them some. And they look at it and look at you. Whatever you need. We're there for you. I would take a bolt for you. And it just sort of, like... They all just sort of, like, agree. Like, yeah, I would take a bolt. Oh, well, please don't do that. And they just say, whatever you need, boss. Whatever you need. All right. Thank you. And then he just kind of like scuttles back into his little hole carrying this piece of bread that you've given him. Uh, and he'll just like stand up and it's just like, uh, yeah, looks like we've got about four goblins that we're trying to track. That's very astute, Cornell. Lorf said they uh, travel northeast from here. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Northeast, like into the woods. Into the woods. Anything can happen in the woods. I always love when you talk to the animals. I could do that. It's so much easier to talk to people. Yeah. Alrighty. So you guys are going uh, to the northeast within the wood. Uh, So make a set of survival checks as you kind of make your way towards there. Uh, just as we go into the woods or as we are following these as tracks? As you're following these tracks. Okay. Um, Why don't I, someone assist? See, I'm trying to decide if I want a wild shape now or not. Because mm-hmm. yeah, you, you all would know you can use Cornell as a bloodhound. <laughs> because he can literally turn to wolves. So... Why doesn't uh, Cornell assist Alora or Alora assist Cornell one way to track? And that way we get the best of both worlds. Do we still have enough visible tracks that we could follow them for a while first? You would, but they start getting they start getting harder to track once you guys actually get into the woods because goblins don't exactly follow pre-established game trails. They just sort of (laughs) trudge through and make their way as best they can. If they get caught in brambles, then they just sort of like struggle their way out or leave their friend to die. (laughs) Hey, bloodhounds it is. (laughs) All right. Uh, So Cornell's going to use a wild shape. And where's my hood? Oh, woo! Awu. Uh, and this is what a perception check yes this will be a perception check okay oh that wasn't good you i do might have advantage on it okay natural 20 Awu, indeed uh, uh who's in the chat, <laughs> in the chat. <laughs> uh so yeah you uh again like the scent of goblin is never far from your guys's group with slam gob uh having a goblin as a squire so it's very easy to kind of pick up on the on that goblinoid scent and following putting your nose down to the ground and following these tracks you it is very easy for you guys to follow them 
you know that uh, how long can you maintain your wild shape for? I can might maintain my wild shape for one hours. Okay. So for the one hours, uh, you manage to expertly just kind of lead them on the same track uh, that these goblins were going on themselves. Uh, and But as you are uh, following these tracks, you realize that they are still going, but your form is going to be shifting back. Uh, fairly certain. But you do have a very good idea of where to go from here. Uh, it seems like with the with the expert tracking that both you and Alora are able to kind of provide on this, you're able to maintain the track as you guys are uh, making your way deeper into the woods. All right. All right. So uh, you actually follow it for two more hours after this point. Uh, and as you do, you realize that the goblins have been walking up the side of a river. And following this river, you eventually reach the back wall to uh, the start of the Echo Shard Mountains that are located to the north. And you see that there is a opening uh, that leads into a cave mouth and then goes deeper into the mountain. Uh, and you see that that is where all of these little goblinoid footprints have actually been making their way. Uh, there is this river that seems to kind of be coming out from underneath the mountain uh, to the left-hand side, but you guys have now discovered the entryway into what you believe to be uh, this goblin burrow. And uh, Slamgob uh, begins a little a little dance with his like his great club, and he kind of jumps back and forth a little bit, and he slams it on the ground a few times, and all of a sudden it looks like bones come from behind him and form like armor around him, and then they 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 turn suddenly they turn like like invisible, so he casts mage armor on himself. All right, that's metal as hell. I'm down for this. <laughs> so, they're in there. Yep. Let's go get him. Okay. Unless <laughs> Slam God will start walking towards the cave. I'll follow behind Slam God. Are we just going to talk to them? We're going to fight them? Demand this thing that's bigger than me back hmm we could call them out tell them off for being mean thieves and robbing this family of their chance of being amazing during the festival <laughs> all right and so then we'll, <laughs> we'll get close to the cave and then slam gobble oh 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 like give me give me a little room would you starting back and when his friends step five, at least five feet away, then he'll say, he'll start, Oh, slam gob, teeth, the first chosen of Morgu, call you out. And he slams the great club down and does a thunderclap. So like dust and dirt go off from five feet around him, all <laughs> fly in different directions. And, okay. uh, and it, it's a cantrip, so, you know. So, oh, literally call him out. Okay. Okay. What do the rest of you do? Because I just literally, <laughs> for a hundred feet, 
heard a thunderclap and then this like you know almost seven foot tall half orc bellow out this this call so we see anything come out from the cave or are they just ignoring us there does not seem to be any response from the cave well that was dramatic. I think it was very good, Samgob. I think that was very nice. We gave them warning. We did. Shall we? I'll start walking in towards the cave. And stop. I can't see in the dark. Oh. <laughs> this again? Let me see what I can do. <laughs> I hope I have something, but I don't think I do. And Cornell, uh, you paid the human tax, right? So, I did. Yep. And then same with Alora. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, your three party members, Slam Gob, all need some source of light in order to progress deeper into this goblin burrow. I always forget that you can't see. Someday. When I get more power from Morgul, I will get a light spell. But currently, I have none. That's all right. Your belief in Morgul is very inspiring. Hold on. I'll dig through my pack and pull out a torch. <laughs> I don't have flint and steel. Just hand it off to somebody else. Or <laughs> <laughs> now light it. Okay, I was going to say. Uh... Okay. I was like, please tell me that no one has flint and steel, and then we have to just have this weird, like, all right, let's go find you some flint and steel. Dick. <laughs> oh, if I first comes to worst, I would have cast a spell to mm -hmm. dramatically light this torch. All right, so you guys have a single torch amongst the four of you. Uh, what is the marching order for going into this cave? Is it looks like uh it is going to be single file kind of going into or uh it's going to be you could go uh double wide it's about 10 feet wide so there's enough for uh two people to march side by side Cornell will be in the back okay right. and uh slam gob will be second rank but he takes his great club and he basically puts it in a bag that kind of hangs on his shoulder and then he starts rubbing his hands together and he's like Morgul. and a glaive appears in his hands so he's he's second rank with the glaive because it has reach and he can fight over top of his uh halfling uh companion okay so then elora and rowan you two are in the front yes okay uh so as you guys are making your way into this cave uh as you are walking there is a uh you hear a click as you look down and you realize uh Alora that you have stepped onto a pressure plate uh as you see that the the right side of the wall is actually going to swing out and try and get uh both you Alora and you Slamgob so i need both of you to make dexterity saves Alora you are going to be rolling at advantage because you have danger sense Oof. I got a 13. Okay. 11. Okay, so the 13 uh, was enough to save, so you are going to be taking half. 
Uh, but Slamgub, you are going to be taking nine points of piercing damage uh, as this wall seems to swing out and actually dig into you with these dirty-looking little knives and pieces of metal shard. Uh, and Alora, you are going to be taking four. And then after the wall kind of, or after this trap then hits against the two of you, you see it begins slowly resetting. Uh, and looking down at the ground, you realize that only one side of the of the hallway actually has this pressure plate built into it, uh, and it looks like it is the right side of the tunnel. Should have stuck to the left. <laughs> and uh, Slam Gobble uh, stepped to the left, and then he uh, he starts to to mutter something under under his breath, and he's fiddling with a little skull that, that's uh, one of his charms hanging around his neck and he will cast at will um, uh, false life giving himself seven temporary hit points nice okay so uh, are you guys still maintaining your two by two order as you go down or are you kind of shifting to be more uh, more straight line kind of thing I'm gonna shift behind him. Okay. Learn my two o'clock. Okay. Uh, Rowan will stay at the front. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, so as you guys make your way deeper into this cave, it feels like it's winding as you guys are going. It turns right and then it turns left, and you feel like the structural integrity of this cave is sound it's quality i mean it was made by goblins so you're not exactly sure whether or not this is proper uh or not but as you are all uh making your way forward uh you hear a sound like something sticky is being peeled back just as uh and Rowan, mm -hmm. uh, what is your AC? 18, but I have a reaction to bump that up if I need to. Okay. Uh, so you watch as this pink medium-sized thing just falls from the ceiling down. Uh, its head actually has these three little pincers kind of coming off of it. And as it falls directly in front of you, you just hear this... Uh, and this little creature just kind of like wiggles a little bit, but it doesn't look like it can actually do a whole lot towards you. Uh, and with that same unsticking sound, you watch as another one of these things just falls down near you, uh, but does not actually seem to do much of anything towards you. However, uh, the third creature got a natural 20 to its hit. Uh, so you are going to be taking some damage from this creature. Okay. So you are going to be taking 14 points of damage. Okay. As it Could just... I use a reaction? What was its attack modifier on top of the 20? Uh, its attack modifier on top of the 20 was a total of 23. It got a plus 3. Yeah, no, my spell would have 
No, no, that. Okay, so minus 14. Okay. <clears throat> Got it. But yeah, so now there are just these three very tiny looking pathetic creatures on the ground. Uh, they don't seem like they have any other way of possibly trying to attack you. Uh, and so they just begin very, very steadily trying to like worm their way back over to the cave wall. Very easily you guys can <laughs> very easily you guys can dispatch all three of these creatures. Uh as again. Um, what kind of creatures are these? Would I know off the bat or uh make a arcana check or a nature check, and anybody can do this okay. if they would like. So ten rolling arcana. Okay. Fourteen rolling nature. Okay. Rolling nature. 12 and 14. Uh, actually, you guys would all have heard of these creatures before. They are known as piercers. Uh, they are honestly just little small fry creatures in this state. Uh, they can grow up to about a medium sized creature's build, uh, but it's very rare to see them actually do that. Uh, and if they reach that stage, uh, you know that piercers are actually the baby form of another more horrifying creature called a roper, uh, where piercers pretend to be stalactites. Uh, ropers more often will, will pretend to be a stalagmite and come up from the ground. So you guys just saved yourself three future ropers. Good job. <laughs> Actually, I'll take one of them and stuff a living one kind of in my bag. Okay. So yeah, you just stuff this, and it just kind of like, <laughs> like it does. It has no way of defending itself from you just picking it up, setting it in. It has a, it has a little bitey mouth, but like, as it goes to like give you a little bit of a bite, its form is too fat and kind of squat to really like bend over to give you a proper bite. So it's just. <laughs> Gently flailing as you stuff it in the bag. <laughs> uh, is this considered a monstrosity? Yes, it is. Uh, would you mind telling me it's uh, intelligence? It's score. intelligence is one. <laughs> okay. Cornell will talk to it. I'll just hold it up to Cornell. Does it like the name Athelstan? Ask it if it likes the name Athelstan. He'll just be like, uh, hey, buddy. Hey. <laughs> uh, and uh, th this is a feature called the bigger they are. Uh, what, whenever I cast a spell that affects only beasts, uh, it also affects monstrosities with an intelligence score of three or lower. Okay. Uh, it's from my drag mark. Um, what, do you have a name? Like, What's name? So, like, whenever whenever I want to talk to somebody, I, I call them a certain name. Wow. Does, anybody, does anybody call you anything? Ow. Okay, Ow. He likes the name Ow. Okay, Ow. Uh, and you see its little back end just sort of like flicks back and forth in a mildly appreciative way. 
Uh, I, I'm assuming I would have like a piece of meat on me. Yeah. Or something. I'll, I'll feed it. Yeah, and he just it just like bites out at it and you see its little back end just gives a little more of an appreciative wiggle. Uh, <laughs> and it's one singular red eye that it has just like blinks happily as it continues <laughs> to eat at this food. And it's more of just kind of like gnawing at it. It doesn't actually have a, it doesn't look like it has very strong teeth. So it just kind of has to like. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Indoor, don't do that. No. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll wrap a spare scarf around Al and gently place it back into my bag. It's our pet now, guys. Uh, Wait, 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 wait. Ow, did you see any any goblins coming through? Pull Ow back out. It just nods yes. <laughs> are are they still alive? Were that were they carrying a big a big light metal thing with them? Just nods. Okay. And they went that way? And I'll point further into the cave. It nods again. Okay, thank you, Al. I'll hand Al back. <laughs> Place him back in my bag. I fucking love this game. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, so, uh, Slam Gob, uh, while you were admiring the the work, the workings of this goblinoid cave, uh, you did not even realize uh, that three piercers had fallen from the ceiling to almost strike out against uh, your dear friends. One of them did hit Rowan, uh, and you guys dealt with the others very quickly, but you managed to pick up one, uh, as it has no real form of natural defense. Cornell was then able to use uh, his features to speak to this small monstrosity, where you learned that his name was Al, as that is what people have called him most often than not. And uh, you put a scarf on him, gave him a little bit of meat, and stuck him into Rowan's bag. So you guys have earned a pet piercer. <laughs> in the form of Al. Uh, and as you guys are making your way forward, I would like for you all to make perception checks. Six. Hundred. <laughs> I cannot hear you, GB. Slam Gob's looking up and he's like, I'm wondering if there's more of them. <laughs> Eight. <laughs> uh, Seventeen. Okay. As well. Alrighty. Uh, do you say eight or seventeen as well? Seventeen. Alright, so the two seventeens. Uh, as you guys are kind of making your way forward again, you hear a sound that seems to be coming from deeper within the cave. Uh, and it seems very rhythmic. And the two of you just hear this as it seems like there is just this deep... Uh, almost drum-like rhythm that is coming uh, from deeper within this cave. And as you guys 
continue approaching forward, you see that there is a small chamber uh, in front of you. And there, uh, from the chamber, you can see that there are two pathways. There is a, uh, but both of them have doors in front of them. There is one that looks like it has a very uh, kind of shambled door put together. Uh, The lock itself is, I mean, it just doesn't look like it would be useful to say the least. Uh, and as you look over on the right side, there is another kind of shambled put together door, but you see that there is a ornate uh, golden lock that is actually keeping uh, the door shut. And from the left side, that is where you can hear uh this very heavy uh this very heavy drumming noise and you can also hear what sounds almost like a rhythmic screeching coming from that way as well but it doesn't sound like any creature you've ever heard before um just kind of coming from deeper down the left hand path so what would you guys like to do now that you have a left hand and a right hand Wait, uh, the, is the left hand the, the gold no. uh, lock door or the ramshackle? That's the ramshackle lock. And we hear the drum beats coming from there? Yes. Okay. And we also hear the creature from the left side? Yes. And we're not hearing anything from the right side? No. I want to go over to the right side. Same. <laughs> okay. All right, so yeah, you guys go over to the uh, to the right side, and again, you see that this door looks like it has been put together with bits and pieces of wood from possibly several other doors. It looks like it's kind of just sort of meant to cover up the hole in the wall that is used for a tunnel. Uh, but seeing uh, that uh, on the right-hand side of this door, that is where this golden lock has been affixed, keeping this door shut uh, against the uh, against the nearby wall. How would you guys like to get into it? It looks like it has a keyhole perfect for thieves' tools. I could call upon Mogu to destroy the whole thing. That would be very loud. Very loud. Very loud. Um, if I wanted to, say, use Primal Savagery to give myself Acid Claws and just, like, rip the lock off of this door, would I be able to do that? Yes. I would like to. Okay. I would very much like to. <laughs> Yeah, so you give yourself acid claws, and as they sink into the wood surrounding the actual lock mechanism, you're able to pull this off the door without any real issue. It looks like the only thing ornate uh, and well-designed about this door was the lock that you're pretty sure at this point wasn't is definitely not goblin make. It looks like they probably just stole it from town and thought, ooh, shiny, and slapped it on a door. Uh, but with that, the door is able to just easily be pushed in, and you can see that it is a five-foot wide um, tunnel that leads deeper in, but you can see with the uh, assistance of your torch that this uh, pathway ends up splitting off on the right hand side and then continues forward into what looks to be another chamber uh, and as you are making your way into this path 
you can see that there is actually a weird green light that seems to be coming from the chamber uh, directly in front of you. He's, he's just like mouthing, should we go in? Sure, let's let's go in. We've come this far. Can we check and see if there's any booby traps? Yeah, you guys can totally check for traps. Make a perception <laughs> check as you make your way forward. Checking for traps, who does that? <laughs> in a goblin burrow? Get out of here. <laughs> I'll, I'll, a trap on the way in. I'll assist so she gets advantage. Okay. <laughs> nine yeah um, uh as you're searching around you do not find uh any traps there are there don't seem to be any pressure plates you you feel like if there was a trip wire you would probably run into that you start like feeling along the walls to make sure there aren't any daggers or knives that are gonna come out and and strike <laughs> out against you but the hall looks clear think we're good let us re <clears throat> let us resume our marching order then <clears throat> okay so are you guys going down uh the hallway to the right or are you just going straight to the corridor in front of you toward the green light okay yeah so mm -hmm. as you go down this corridor and go into the next uh this next room where the green light is you can see that there are there is a wooden barrel that has been turned onto its side with the top kind of popped open like a wooden cask would be and mm -hmm. looking inside you can see that uh this green light is actually coming from this vibrant green slimish liquid that seems to have spilled out onto the ground itself and kind of writhing in it are just what look to be these big fat bugs uh that seem to just kind of be like rolling around in it but they aren't they don't look like piercers they don't look like any kind of monstrosity they just look like large weird insects uh, and it looks like the slime is actually being produced by these bugs uh would cornell know what kind of bugs these are and if they were uh particularly territorial or hostile uh, make a nature check. Right. I might add my intuition die. 18. Okay. Uh, so you would know, uh, that these are a form of rot grub, uh, but it seems like they are, uh, that these ones at least have been almost domesticated in a sense. Uh, it seems like they don't have any of the more hateful drive that rot grubs typically have. Uh, and rather than, uh, and looking at them, they all look very fat and happy. Uh, does not seem like they are actually, uh, in a, in a very aggressive place. And they seem to be just eating on these pieces of almost what looked to be rotted meat. And then just this green slime kind of coats off of them. And you see that, uh, they're with this cask that has been tipped over, that there are four other casks that are next to it as well. Uh, what languages do you all speak? 
Uh, common, deep speech, giant, and halfling. Uh, Druidic, primordial, and sylvan. Uh, common and orc. Common and elvish. Okay. Uh, so, Slamgob, you see uh, that there is what looks to be some kind of goblin writing uh, on all of these barrels, and then uh, underneath there is also a label uh, in orcish, uh, and it says Grup Yup. Grup Yup. Do I know what that means? Uh, you are not entirely sure, but from just kind of what you can see looking at this, that is just what these goblins are calling this green slime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Big old barrels of Grup Yup. Um, <clears throat> so it says Grup Yup on them. That must be the proper name of what this goo is and uh the rock grubs are feeding off of it but i mean it, it, it doesn't look like they're going to be really hostile i don't know do you see anything else mm, no do you want to pet Alora? we can get you a glow bug that looks so gross no i agree they're quite gross <laughs> But I wasn't going to put down your choice of pet if you wanted one. Is, is Ow hungry? We could feed them to Ow. Oh, yeah. Feed it to Ow. Pull Ow out. Do you like... Uh, uh, I'll hold it up to you, Cornell. Ask, ask Ow if he likes glow bugs. Do you eat rock, rock grubs? I don't know. That seems... Why? And it just sort of looks at you confused. It does not seem like it recognizes that name at all. Show him. <laughs> Show him the glow bugs. Mm -hmm. I could. You can eat anything once. <laughs> uh. I, I think we're going to move on to the next room. <laughs> Okay, uh, and as your guys' vision looks away uh, from this spilt pile of grup yup, uh, turning around, you see what almost looks like a conspiracy board uh, of just these weird, like, papers that have kind of been strung up along the wall. And typically on a conspiracy board, you would see red strings and other little notes. Uh, but it looks like the goblins didn't exactly have access to string. So instead, what you see are very thin innards of creatures that have kind of been used in a similar sense. Uh, kind of just making a mess along this wall. And you can see that there are pages from books that have been torn out and somehow put onto the wall. And it looks like just this very strange collage. Uh, and kind of looking at it, you can see that, uh, Rowan, what languages did you speak? Common, deep speech, giant, and halfling. Okay. Uh, so... Yeah, looking at the wall, uh, you aren't able to tell any of the languages that are being used. It seems like there is goblin, uh, but then there also seems like there are lettering. There is lettering of some other script that you aren't necessarily privy to. You don't really know which way it would lead. Uh, but as you are getting a sense, you do see that there is one word. Uh, that is written in Orcish as well, Slam Gob. 
uh, and it just says uh, Golden King. And it seems to repeat that word uh, at several different places, uh, almost where each time there is a new thread of organs uh, that is being used going from page to page. Uh, above each point, it says Golden King. Just vi scrawled very heavily, almost looked like somebody was stabbing the paper in order to make uh, some kind of lettering in order to do so. But that seems to be a common, uh, just a common phrase that has somehow leaked its way onto these pages. And you see that they're covered in all sorts of these very crude uh, arcane symbols. Again, this is some kind of goblinoid magic that you aren't necessarily sure uh, how it works or what the intent of it was. Uh, can Slam Gob make an arcana check to try to figure out what the yeah. symbols are make an arcana check and anybody who is proficient in arcana would be able to do so there we go uh, ah, I forgot <laughs> 19 okay uh, 17. Okay, so 19 and 17. It looks like this is some sort of summoning ritual. Uh, it looks like they are... That this golden king is some sort of other creature that is not necessarily of the material plane. That it looks like these goblins are actually intent on bringing forth, uh, at least to the best of their ability. Hmm. It would appear they're trying to summon something called the Golden King. Hmm. And they would need a big gear to do that? Possibly. I don't like it. Are they using the goo to do it? I hope not. That'd be really gross. Super gross. Uh, is it is uh, is it possibly religious in nature? I mean, the magic is arcana, but the Golden King is it a religious thing for the goblins? It does not seem. It seems like if it is religious in some sort, that it is more of like a cult religion, not necessarily a more defined religion. All right, <clears throat> trying to use them skills, you know. Mm -hmm. Would I have any history knowledge? Of this? Make a history check. Okay. Halflings tell a lot of stories. I don't see why not. Uh... 16. Okay. Uh, so with a 16, you would know uh, that within the Hells, there are... Uh, there are your standard slew of devils... Uh, demons that have kind of leaked over from the infinite layers of the abyss and you know that one of the abyssal lords uh, is a is very vain uh, in his structuring so he is actually uh, he has claimed different uh, metal leaders for his legions so there is gold silver bronze depending on the uh, hierarchy that they were within the legion from the abyss and so from what you are guessing is that it seems like they are trying to bring forth one of these demons uh, that belonged to these metal generals so I'll turn around and slap my hand up on the conspiracy board and say, 
yeah, no, they're doing bad things, like super bad things, and we need to stop them. I'm not saying it's demons, but demons. <laughs> it's demons. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. And as you guys are uh, figuring out that this is indeed some spooky, scary demon shit, that is where we are going to go into our break for today. It's still very bright outside. I'm used to saying this evening, so like it's throwing me for a fucking loop. But we are going to try and be back in five to ten minutes, so don't go no place unless it's to grab a food, grab a drink, grab a friend, or go to bit.ly slash adventure merch. Pick yourself up something nice. Uh, or... If you like what we're doing here on the audio, on uh, either audio or video cast, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. So that way we can try and beat those bastards at the indoor air conditioning repair podcast. Or maybe see if they want to collab something. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how that would work at all. But uh, we will see you guys shortly. So don't go to place. All right, everybody. Bye. We're back. Hello, everybody. And welcome. I feel good. I made sure to make, uh, you know, unmute all of my friends so that way we could get this thing going. So you guys uh, just went into a small enclosure that had uh, a overturned container of Grupyup uh, and also a goblinoid conspiracy board where you guys determined that the real problem here was demons. Uh, so. What would you guys like to do uh, now that you have uh, kind of gone through this general area? Uh, was this everything on the gold door side? Uh, there was a, another chamber that, uh, or another hallway that kind of leads off to the uh, your guys' left hand now that you are making your way back to that central chamber. Do we all have potions of healing or if not... You did not. No. Okay. Uh, you know that Cornell can heal. Right. I don't know if Roman would ask because she knows spellcasting is important. And yeah, she'll just leave it be, I think. Let me check something really quick. Oh, I can only do false life to myself. How greedy of me. I'm sorry. Okay. It's all good. It's hopeful. Okay. Uh, so yeah, and then looking down uh, this hallway, you can see that it opens up into a darker chamber. Uh, goblins have no use for torches or lights in their general uh, in their general burrows. So uh, you just see again that this space is kind of dark. If you would like, you can uh, check for traps on your way leading up into there. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. So make an investigation check. Uh, or a perception check. That plus 10. Okay, so a 10? Oh, I got a two. No, I got a 2. Okay. <laughs> this sounds good. Uh, yeah, so looking around, again, this path is clear. What traps? You are an expert trap finder, and you have found none of them. Uh, and so, yeah, you guys make your way up to uh, up to this larger room, trap free. Uh, and looking around, you 
you smell that kind of rotten meat smell uh, that is just seems to be coming from bags that are placed up against the wall. And inside of this chamber, you can see that there are what look to be about 10 more barrels of this grup-yup uh, that seems to have kind of been placed around. And a lot of stuff that they have are uh, general wolf furs uh, and other animal furs that have kind of just been pushed up into a corner. Uh, and as you look around the wall and look around this room, uh, against the wall, you see that there is a hole that looks like it is, uh, Slam Gob, you, you're a pretty large guy. You would be able to stick your entire head in it. Rowan, you would be able to kind of like, if you wanted to get like half of your body, it's a pretty sizable hole. Uh, but it's not so big that the majority of you would be able to like all climb into and looking at it. Uh, it looks like there are these kind of claw marks that are placed around the sides of this hole, and there seems to be a phrase written in Goblin above this hole. And those are the features of the room. It would appear to be written in Goblin, but I don't speak it. What sort of claw marks? Uh, they look like they are claw marks that are, uh, along the walls, and then it looks like some of the marks are actually going into the hole. Does it look like it's just a hole in the, like a hole in the wall with a back to it, or does it go further than we can see? It looks like it goes further than you can see. Hmm. Even with my dark vision. Yeah, even with your dark vision, it just seems like it trails off into darkness. Wait, is it in the wall or is it in the floor? It is in the wall. Okay. Uh, do I... Would I be able to tell, like, what kind of creature made these, or... Yeah, looking at the looking at the claw marks, it does look like, uh... Again, those were goblinoid, but the hole itself in the wall just looks like it was kind of, um... Like, it was cut out and then more softened along the edges. But it doesn't look like it was a natural creature that created this. No giant badger or something like that? No. Okay. All right. Should we have burnt all their uh, notes in the conspiracy room? I'm not sure what that would have done. I mean, if there's... They would have had People to start who... over. Yeah, that's true. And that's the only exit from this room is the hole, right? Well, the, and the way that you came back. Okay. I don't think I'll fit in there. Uh, do y'all want to start heading back? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to go in a deep, dark hole alone with Ow. He's I'll too go. small. Okay, so, Alora, you know that it is only big enough uh, that you would be able to get uh, an appendage in, so are you just sticking your arm into this hole? I want to stick my... I want to, like, hold the torch... And kind of reach it into the hole and see if I can see further okay. what's in there. Sounds good. Uh, so as you take this torch and put it into the hole, uh, you see that it seems to uh, 
at about your elbow length reaching it in, you see that there's almost like a wavering. And then there is uh, the light from your torch just seems to disappear. Uh, and that is when you feel a pull. Uh, was it your right or your left arm uh, that was holding the torch? We'll go with my left. I don't like that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, as you put uh, your left hand in, uh, you feel a pulling sensation actually coming from your arm that forces you against the wall. Uh, and it seems like it is trying to pull more of you actually into this hole. Uh, so the rest of you three can actually see uh, this happening to Alora as her arm is just seeming to get pulled into this hole in the wall. Oh no, I'll try and grab and pull her back. <laughs> okay, nice. Uh, so I would say you can all make, uh, athletics checks or strength checks if you would like. Okay. A nat 20. Okay. For 26. 15. Nine. Uh, 22. Okay. So, uh, you guys are able to actually, uh, pull Elora back, uh, from this hole in the wall. But as you do, uh, there is a moment of separation, Elora. As you tumble back with your party members, you look down and from the forearm, uh, about the bicep area of your left arm, looking down, your arm is no longer there. Uh, and looking out, it looks like there is, uh, at the end, it looks like the, you can still see, like, all of the meats and muscle bits, but it doesn't look like it's bleeding out. It looks almost like it was either cauterized or flash-frozen at the spot where, uh, the separation occurred. Um, guys? The reach out towards the space where her arm was. Yeah, there is no arm there. It's gone. We're not getting it back. And you guys are currently in the dark as Alora had used her torch to reach in. <laughs> They're in the dark. <laughs> uh, that looks bad. Uh, uh, another torch, maybe? Someone? If someone wants uh, to get uh, a torch out of my pack, I have more torches. Alora, Cornell gets, it, gets one of his torches. Alora, what kind of weapon were you using? What kind of weapon? Yes. Um, I have a great axe and a dagger. All right. A... Uh, so you would know that uh, in order to use the great axe, you need two hands. Well, anyone want an axe? Raise my hand slowly. Cornell Here. finally lights a torch. <laughs> okay. Here, I don't need this anymore. Yeah. The only weapon she seems to have now on her back. <laughs> Thanks. Welcome. Sorry about your arm. It's fine. You're really <laughs> calm about losing an arm. <laughs> I'm, I'm screaming on the inside. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Me <But>. too. <laughs> Let's move on. It's, it's fine. I'll be fine. Okay. 
That's, that's I'll take back. out a scarf and wrap it around the arm nub. Okay. It's pretty now. It's pretty now. Okay. We'll get you a prosthetic when we're back in town. Slam Gob is just looking at the hole, looking at the lack of arm. Grabs a barrel. <laughs> Tufts it in there. <laughs> yeah, no, as you as you pour uh, the grup-yup into this hole, because again, it's not large enough that you could fit the entire cask into it. Well, that's I'm just trying to stuff the cask in the, the hole to to block the hole, because whatever's in there, I don't want to have anything to do okay. with. <laughs> yeah, you're able to kind of like prop it up and make okay. sure uh, and make sure that nothing could possibly ever go into this hole again. Well, draw a dagger and write in common bad <laughs> and a few underlines okay so we're, so we're headed back to the central room okay so yeah you guys make your way to the central room where you can hear the heavy drumming as well as the screech of this un screeching of this unknown creature and as you guys hear it now it almost sounds like that screeching is harmonizing it seems like there's almost there is another sound that is coming with that screeching and you aren't necessarily sure again what creature could ever possibly make that noise but you hear now uh that there is a chanting with it as well. Uh, and with the chanting, you hear uh, what sounds like a what sounds like a small group of goblins all yelling, uh, Gorvain, 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 Gorvain. Do we know this uh, this Gorvain history religion? Uh, you can make a history check. Okay. <laughs> 17. Uh, so with a 17, you know that there is a, uh, prominent Orog, uh, in the surrounding area named Shredneck Gorvain. Uh, and it seems like these goblins are chanting for his name. What's the name of a local order egg? Bigger than me kind of creature. Huh. Uh, okay. It's like bigger than the wormling we fought last week. Hmm. Oh, boy. I would say about that size. All right, we're in it now, and we've got demons, we've got big things, we've got an arm-eating hole. Let's go, let's let's go find... Yeah, let's go. Oh, well, we're asking for, for the gear back, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, But we're probably just killing everybody. Yep. Yeah. That's usually the plan. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, so as you guys, uh, go and check this other door, it doesn't seem like there is actually a lock on it. Uh, it seems more like the lock that was put in place 
actually had the lock turned out so the door would make would stay open uh it doesn't look like it was actually really ever meant to close more of just put up a small barrier as a means of separating a room and when you open it you can see that there is maybe about a 15 foot hall uh until what looks to be a very well lit chamber and that is where you can hear this chanting uh chanting for gorvain these very uh, deep, heavy drumming noises, as well as this harmonious uh, scream. That as you get closer, the screaming almost seems to fluctuate, and and in a way, the sound it's almost sounds like it bends as you mm. guys are getting closer. And uh, if you would like, you can all make stealth checks as you come into this next room. <laughs> hey, uh, Rowan, what other what other weapons do you have? Um, aside from the great axe she's now been gifted, doesn't seem like she has anything on her. Mm. All right. So, because I'm wearing chainmail, I rolled with disadvantage. And that was a two. I got a 14. 14, okay. 21. Okay. Yeah, four. Okay, so 14. 24, <laughs> 2, and 4. Got it. Uh, so you guys all make your way. Uh, and as you come down this uh, this corridor looking out, you can now finally see the source of all of this noise that has been going on during this time. And looking out, you can see that there are what look to be about eight goblins that are spaced out. As we're going into this chamber, it is formed almost like a natural amphitheater. There is a lower section, there is the higher section where you guys are coming in on. And along the left-hand wall, there is actually naturally, uh, the cave naturally forms into a ramp that leads down onto this base area. And at its highest point on the ramp is about 10 feet. Really not that bad. Uh, but looking down, you can see that these eight goblins all have uh, what look to be wooden mugs. And inside of the wooden mugs is this glowing green, vibrant grupyup, uh, as you guys have seen. And you can see that some of these goblins are actually just pouring this grupyup into their open gullets and just drinking this green slime. Uh, you can see that their eyes are kind of glazed over and they look very wild uh, in their natural state, but you see that they're kind of spinning around, hollering and shrieking. Uh, one of them takes a swig and then at a point has to hold his stomach, throws up onto the ground and then just falls into his own vomit, no longer moving. Uh, and it seems like the majority of these goblins that are all enjoying this, uh, enjoying this grepyop, are in various states of already possibly seeing to their own demise. Then you see, uh, but they are all cheering, Gorvain, Gorvain, Gorvain. As you look up and you can see that there are three goblins that look very different than the others. There is one that has two large bones uh, in his hands and is standing over a tightly uh, leather-bound drum and just seems to be playing in these large drum beats. And as you look, you realize where the screeching noise is coming from. It isn't actually from a creature at all, but rather you see that there are two goblins that have lutes. And these lutes 
have a plethora of these cables that seem to be coming from the bottom of them into these large metallic looking boxes. And the boxes, as the goblins strike out onto the strings of the lute, are actually creating these kind of screeching noises. And mm -hmm. you watch as the goblins that are playing these lutes strike each chord, you see that electricity is actually coming out of their fingers. They seem to be using the shocking grasp spell to help amplify this horrid sound kind of coming out of the lutes themselves. Uh, and they are just playing this cacophonous melody uh, as, again, these goblins just sort of rage and fight amongst each other, all getting drunk off of this grup-yup. But you see, also, in the corner, there is a goblin wearing a upside-down boot on his head uh, that is reading out of a book above a large black cauldron that seems to be full of this molten metal. Uh, as you watch as he takes a handful of gold coins and kind of drops them into the cauldron. And other goblins are coming up with their metal as well and throwing it into uh, into this large copper uh, or into this large cauldron. And looking around, you can actually see the gear that is in the corner of the room. It is propped up on a pile of what look to be other valuables. You can see that there's a candelabra, there's a silver serving tray. It looks like the goblins kind of just went out and collected any kind of metal or shiny that they could for the purposes of this ritual. And this figure, uh, you can see, is reading out of a book that another goblin is holding up for him to actually read out of uh, as kind of a living podium. And as the cheers of Gore Vein, Gore Vein, Gore Vein, pick up and pick up and continue to fill this chamber, you see as this Orog, this large orc-like creature with a, uh, a mug of this Grupyup seems to drain it into his mouth, just kind of shaking his head back and forth as this green slime goes everywhere. Uh, and... The three uh, bardic-looking goblins, they all shoot each other glances, looking very worried as uh, Gorvain makes his way to the stage and actually stands behind uh, the drummer. And as the drummer is going, Gorvain puts his hand up and you see all of the all of the goblins start cheering and the one drummer just gets a very despondent look on his face. Uh, as you see Gorvain reach down and grab the shoulders of this goblin, bring his boot up, and actually kicks the body off of the two arms. So there are just these two free little goblin arms. And then he uses them, brings them up over his head, cries out in a large orcish roar, and then begins using these no longer attached goblin arms as drumsticks to continue the beat as this one goblin uh, bleeds out. But as they are all cheering, Gorvain, Gorvain, Seeing this happen, uh, that is when Slamgob and Rowan just seem to tumble out of the, uh, of the hallway that you guys have found yourself in. And all of these creatures look up towards you and you see that this goblin wearing the boot on its head uh just seems to quicken his reading and starts like just dumping in more of these metal things if he possibly can so i'd like for everybody to roll initiative 
Fantastic. Oh, that's great. Get all all the gruppy up you could possibly want. Maybe we should go back and get a couple of these grubs. <laughs> get you drunk. Maybe. Sell them to people. <laughs> yeah, they, they they make alcohol. We saw a whole bunch of goblins getting effed up on it. <laughs> okay, so uh, what was everyone's initiative? Fourteen for Slam Gob. Eleven. Twelve. Ten. Oh, okay. And we clustered low. We clustered <laughs> mid-ish. That's great. All the so it's going to be your guys' group and then the enemy group as they all clustered lower than you guys did. <laughs> all right. So you guys actually have uh, the drop on this. What would you like to do? Uh, I I cast Eldritch Blast um, <laughs> at the at the boot head goblin. Okay. Make an attack roll. All right. Come on, Gobo dice. Don't fail me now. Uh, 14. Okay, that'll hit. Roll for damage. <laughs> Thank goodness. All right. And all of six. Okay. Uh, yeah, so with this six, you watch as this Eldritch Blast shoots out and actually pegs this goblin with the boot on its head in the shoulder. And he seems to spin on his heel, having been caught in the middle of uh, in the middle of his quick spell casting. And you watch as his form actually spins and then tumbles into the melted metal mixture mm. that just begins to bubble. And as it does, you actually watch as this cauldron tips off to the side and just begins spilling this hot metal onto the ground. And you can see that the goblin that had vomited and was passed up on the ground just gets very quickly coated with this metal. He is, he's done. Several of the other goblins that were enjoying this show uh, are also just roasted, and there only seems to actually be four of these goblins left after the metal has spread out. Besides the two that are just like... They're still playing. They are still playing on their electrified lutes. They don't know what's going on. They're hoping for the best at this point. Uh, but Gorvain has actually noticed that this is a uh, that this issue is also currently here and happening. Uh, so, uh, Slam Gob, did you have anything that you would like to do as a bonus action? Um, no, I had previously summoned my glaive, so I guess I stand ready okay sounds good next up is going to be cornell uh so we've got gorbane there and two other goblins next to him is yes that, is that correct yes and those two goblins uh, how, seem to be looking very worried how far away would you say this is uh i would like, say that like 60 feet oh less than this entire chamber is maybe about maybe about 40 feet very easy that you can just move and still be in range of pretty much anything. Okay. Uh, so uh, Cornell's got got this staff on his back. It looks like it's uh, been made of pine wood. Okay. Uh, uh, he just like gets it out and starts uh, just like rubbing his 
uh, thumb down it. Uh, and out of his other hand, this like frost starts to crystallize, and he throws an ice knife at uh, Gorbane. Okay. So I, I will need to roll to hit, and I will also need a dexterity save from all three of those goblins. Or, yeah. Anyways. Uh, and this is at second level. Okay. Sorry. Gorvain succeeded, but the other two did not. Uh, this is going to be a 16 to hit him. Yeah, that'll hit. Uh, for three points of ice damage. Okay. And then I believe everybody is going to be taking 3d6 plus one uh, cold damage. Okay. Um, and then Gorban will take half of it. Okay, so 12 points of uh, frost damage, Gorban will take six of those. Okay. Yeah, the, the goblins that had their electrified loots just seem to get flash frozen and shunted off to the sides. The music no longer playing. Uh, instead, now you guys, all you can really hear is just the shouts of these mini goblins uh, that are still inside of this cave. Okay, and then did you have a do bonus action? I do. Do y'all think y'all want to be healed or do more damage? <laughs> um, well, we don't I, need the heals right now. But the fighter um, looks hurt, but she can tough it out. <clears throat> All right. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, so I'm summoning a spirit totem. Mm. Okay. I hmm. um and I'm gonna be summoning the hawk spirit, but uh just uh for flavor, uh what you see is uh the the ground beneath Cornell just becomes like a little bit more icy. Hmm. Uh and just like out out of that frost, uh you you can see just like some snow and pine needles just start to like outline this uh canid form hmm. like a like a little snow wolf just like Aww. showed up Aww. uh everybody is going to have uh uh advantage on perception checks and uh whenever somebody makes an attack i can use my reaction to give you advantage cool all right, so Alora, what would you like to do? Uh, there are four goblins that are down in the pit uh, that were drinking their grep up, enjoying a show, but now all of that has been ruined and they clearly see intruders, uh, as well as the uh, as well as Gorvain, who looks like he took a pretty hefty ice knife to the chest. Okay. Um... with my one arm I'd like to try and, try and throw a javelin <clears throat> okay uh, at the guys that were drinking sure and as a barbarian uh, would you like to rage as your bonus action yeah sure why not okay 
All right, so uh, with your rage, that allows you to get extra damage if you get a hit. Uh, and I believe you also get access to your reckless attack at level two. So you would be able to, if you would like, give yourself advantage on a hit, but then all hits against you for the next turn uh, would be at advantage. So would you like to reckless or keep it flat? Let's just keep it flat. Okay. Yeah. So make a d20 roll and then add, uh, I believe at this level for you, you would be adding four. Four or five. Four. Yeah. So that'd be 24. Okay. Yeah. You definitely hit. Did you get a nat 20? Yeah. Okay, so awesome. Yeah. You're going to be rolling twice the number of damage dice. So your javelin normally does a d6. So then you would be rolling yes. two d6. d6. Plus two. Yep. Okay, so okay. Uh, then you're going to be rolling two d6, still adding two. Uh, and then I believe you still add two for your rage damage. Okay. So 2d6 so... and add four. First d6 roll is a 10. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you throw this javelin down, uh, and it just sinks through this goblin and just pegs them <laughs> down onto the ground. They are no longer moving, and currently their body is trapped in place. Goblins do not have very many hit points. Okay. Uh, so Rowan, it is your turn. How far is the main guy for me? Uh, the main guy looks like he is about 15 feet away from where you are. Oh, perfect. I'll use my use my movement to get up to him. And as I move up to him, I'll hold up my hand and a warhammer materializes in it and I strike at him. Damn, okay. Make an attack roll. Yes. Bro, it doesn't mess around with the talks. Well, watch a whiff. <laughs> so, 13. Okay. Uh, 13 will not hit against this guy. Okay. She'll just say, ready to dance, little guy? He's probably <laughs> shorter than this goblin. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the, the main dude is an Orog. He stands maybe about, oh, like, yeah. eight feet tall. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, she'll just say, Come at me! <laughs> Sending up three foot. All right. Uh, and then is there a bonus action you would like to do? No, summoning the weapon is a bonus action. Okay, sounds good. Uh, so you see, uh, as all of these goblins are getting ready to strike out against you, that from this pool of molten metal that had actually come out of the, uh, out of the cauldron, you see a bubbling begin to occur. Uh, and then from this centralized bubbling point, you see one long finger followed by more fingers as this almost molten golden hand seems to climb out of the central point and you watch as another one sets itself onto the ground and you watch as this large figure 
comes and actually stands itself up out of the uh out of this molten goo you can see that it has a elongated nose more of a pointier jaw kind of hunched over with these long gangly arms and legs and again it's just made of this molten uh molten metal and just looks around the room just And then turns its head up towards uh, up towards the exit way near where you guys are, uh, and actually begins making its way towards you, Cornell, uh, and you, Alora, and is actually going to climb up the side of this wall as it was only about ten feet to do so, and then standing next to the two of you, it reaches up its hand and it is going to try and strike out against you, Cornell. So it gets a, let's see here. That is an 18 to hit. Yep. Okay. So that is going to be for nine points of piercing damage. Okay. Uh, second attack is a 14. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and it is going to try and bite out against you. Uh, and then gets a five for five total piercing damage. Okay. Uh, but that is all that it is currently able to do, just this large molten form. Uh, the Orog that is next to you, Rowan, is going uh, to actually use... Uh, he is going to reach down and pull out the cords on this electric loot, and he is going to try and use the loot as a club uh, to strike out against you. Uh, but a 14 does not hit. Yeah, I'll raise my shield. Okay, but does a 26? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's that hits. Okay, so that is going to be for nine points of bludgeoning damage. Okay. Okay. Uh, yep. So that is it for his turn. But then there are the three smaller gabos. Uh, and uh, you see two of them are going to rush up to try and protect their uh, their their hero, uh, <laughs> Gorvain. They're going to try and come up towards you, Rowan. Uh, and another is actually going to scale up the sidewall uh, to you, Slam Gob, and actually try and strike out against you as well. Uh, so Rowan, uh, a nine does not hit you, I would guess. Uh, Shove him away. <laughs> A natural 20 will hit, though. I yes. do believe. Uh, so that is If going... it succeeds a 23, though. Yes, it would be a 24. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then you are going to be taking 11 points of slashing damage. Oh, that knocks Rowan down. Oh. Okay. So uh, then next up is going to be Slam Gob. All right, uh, so I've got one goblin on me. Yes. Or close, uh, near the <laughs> wall. Is, with my, my glaive reach weapon, is the big metal man within reach of an uh, attack? If you move, like, you could still move within the area of attack of the creature that's on you to be able to strike out against him, no problem. All right, I'm going to, uh, I will definitely uh, do that, because nobody loves a metal man. Um <laughs> Here we go. Oh, yes. So it's going to be 20. 
four. Oh yeah, that'll hit. Excellent. Okay. And uh, eleven damage, and it's uh, it's my uh, my packed weapon. Yeah. So it is. It is uh, no resistances. Mm Hmm. So if this thing has anything, it cuts right through it. Okay. By the power of Morgul. And then did you have a bonus action? Uh, I do, but I do not have much I can do with it currently. So, um, no, that's it. Okay. Next up, Cornell. For my bonus action, I would like to summon a, a healing spirit. Uh, they're pretty much the same thing uh, that he did earlier uh, beneath you, Rowan. Uh, the ground starts to get a little bit uh, icy, and this uh, spectral wolf just like starts to climb out and just like guard your body or your unconscious mm-hmm. form. You're, yeah. you're not dead yet. <laughs> uh, uh, whenever your turn starts, you heal 1d6. Nice. Nice. Uh, that is concentration. So. Uh, what I would like to do right now is make uh, for my action. I would like to get this this, this gold dude uh, to make a con save okay. against my against a frostbite. Okay, so he is going to get a seventeen. Okay. It feels it. chilly. Not too bad though. Uh, then next up, Alora, there is this large metal man that is currently attacking your friend dressed all in furs. What would you like to do? Um. I guess try and poke him with a javelin, too. <laughs> okay. Make an attack roll. Okay. Uh, I will use my react. I'm going to use my reaction to give uh, advantage. So, nice. so, like the spectral wolf will just like grab onto uh, his his leggy, and just yeah, pull at his pant leg when he's trying to put shoes on. <laughs> five. A five will not hit, but that is with adv- uh, you get to roll again because you have advantage. Okay. And then just take the higher number. So six. Okay. Uh, so the attack still misses, uh, but you have certainly gained his attention as you are trying to jab out at him with this javelin. Hey, buddy. All right, and then uh, yeah, I don't believe that you have a bonus action that you can do right now. Um, so then next up is Rowan. So you gain one d six health. So. Three gets me up. Okay. And then as I climb to my feet, uh, a second wind comes upon me. And I get nine more points. I'm up to 12. And she'll stand up and say, ha, and whack out the guy again. Okay. Four... 15. 15 just hits. Roll for damage. Yes. So that would be six points of 
bludgeoning damage, I believe. Yes, bludgeoning damage to his knee. Because okay. that's all I can reach. Sounds good. He looks mightily injured because of this. <laughs> I'll just go up and give him a halfling middle finger. And Slam Gob, you hear cried out in Orcish, Ah, my trick knee! <laughs> I used to be an adventurer. Um, <laughs> the halfling to the knee. Um. <laughs> and then, did you have anything else that you would like to do on your turn? Um, nope, because I used a bonus action action. Okay, sounds good. Uh, so then next up is going to be uh, the slew of enemies. So... Uh, this golden king, Alora, now that you have tried to stab out at him with the javelin, his head is going to kind of swivel towards you, and you just feel like he's scanning you a little bit, just, and then he's going to try and make a slash against you. Does a 14 hit? Where would I see if it does? Uh, at the top of your D&D Beyond sheet, under your armor class, it is located in a tiny little shield. Okay, I have a 15. Okay, so it does not hit. Uh, he is going to try and take a bite out against you. Uh, and that is going to be a 21. So that'll hit, most likely. Uh, he's going to deal five points of bitey damage. Uh, and his teeth actually sink into your left shoulder as he does, as you watch as like, little bits of gold actually course into your veins from the bite. Ooh. Uh, We're still so, raging, right? Yes. So, uh, okay, so yeah, it would be, you. yeah, because you take half damage when you rage. Mm-hmm. So then, next up is the creature that is currently on you, Rowan. Yeah. Uh, and that is going to be a twenty-one to hit. A shield flares up and says, not today. Okay. He's going to try and make a second attack against you, and that is significantly worse. Uh, the two little gathos on you are going to try and stab out with their scimitars as well. Uh, one gets a 17. That is a miss. And then the other gets a 19, which is also a miss. So your yeah. shield saves you from all of this bullshit from these little gathos. <laughs> Uh, and then we are back at the top of the round with Slam Gob. All right. Um, and I, you know, should have looked at my spells a little better. I do have a bonus action. I call out, Mordu, help me. And I uh, hex the Golden King. Okay. So, And then I attack him <laughs> with my uh, packed weapon glaive. 18 to hit. Okay. 18 will for sure hit. Roll for damage. <laughs> nice. And uh, eight points of damage. Four and four duh, is eight. Okay. So yeah. eight and then the hex for another D6. Um, if he has a resistance to necrotic, this damage is necrotic. Mm -hmm. um, so five points of necrotic damage. Okay from the hex and what else happens with hex i've never played a warlock uh... <laughs> they're fun aren't they yeah oh i choose an ability okay um strength okay he has a disadvantage on ability checks for strength mm -hmm. sounds good all right and your wolf is still up cornell yep okay 
Cool. See, we get another D6. Yep. I forgot to have a Gabo attack you, Slam Gob. Sorry. Okay. So, it's all good. Uh, actually, he didn't have advantage on that. So does a 13 hit? No, because right. I've got mage armor. So cool. I'm 15 right We're now. fine, then. Uh, yeah, so... So when he swings at me, the, the bones reappear just outside my outside my real flesh and kind of deflect his little scimitar and so i'm all metal nice um, cornell it is your turn okay uh how many people would i be able to get uh within a five foot uh or i guess a 15 foot radius of an ice knife you would be able to get two goblins and the Orog, but you would also risk your friend Rowan being in there. Uh, but you know that you could possibly get two goblins uh, otherwise. Do it. She can take it. All right. Uh, ice knife at the Orog, because right. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like that's a threat. <laughs> uh, I need them all to make deck saves. Okay. And this is uh, an 11 to hit, so it probably misses. Misses, and he got a nat 20 on his save. Oh, well, he'll still take half of the damage yeah. as it explodes. <laughs> oh. Oh! Okay. Okay, so that's 18 points of cold damage. Because I rolled almost max. Those two goblins. But I, I, I get plus one for my uh, uh, infused wood focus to to spells with cold damage. Okay. Uh, that was my that was my common magic item. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, so the two gobos just die again. Like your ice <laughs> knife just manages to take care of them. The orog is like. He just looks up at you and he's just, what the fuck? Why? Like, he's really, he's really curious as to why you keep targeting him when there's this golden man next to you. But at the same time, man, he's looking pretty rough off. Maybe it's the grub yup getting to him. Okay. Uh, that, that was my action. Uh, yeah, I guess I don't really have a bonus action. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Next up is Alora. You have this large golden, ma uh, golden gooey man kind of next to you, and he seems to be attacking you after having looked you up and down. We're just gonna keep going with that javelin. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll use my reaction to give another advantage. Nice. Sweet. <laughs> Much needed. All right. So I'm rolling the I'm rolling D20. the D6. D20. D20s. Two of them. And you take the highest number for your hit. Well, they were both a 14. Okay. Uh so 14 with your strength and proficiency, more than enough to hit this guy. Okay. And then so roll your D6 for the actual damage. And that's six. Okay. And then you would add four because raging and strength bonus. So you deal a total of ten damage to this guy. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yes. So yeah, your great axe. 
yeah, you're you're just using a javelin like a spear at this point, just kind of like doing downward stabs towards him. He's bigger than you, but like, fuck it, you kind of need need him to die. Height is not a real issue at that point. Hit him with the pointy end. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so then next up is Rowan and Rowan, uh, you managed to survive the effects of this ice knife as it came towards you. Uh, and the goblins that were surrounding you are all gone now. There is actually only one goblin that is left, uh, outside of the Orog and the Golden King. You also get 1d6. Right. Yes. The, that 1d6 is doing me good. Focusing on the Orog, I'll bring my hammer down on him again well his knee again he's <laughs> 14 okay uh 14 is not enough to hit this guy all right then i'll action surge to hit him again yeah. oh 15 plus oh, eight yeah. you hit <laughs> okay and then 1d8. Okay, cool. 12 points of damage. Alright, so how do you bring down this Orog? I smack him in the knee, bring him down by his shirt, and then bring my hammer across his face before shoving him into the pit. Oh, yeah. Mm. No, and as you bring your hammer across his face, he watches his tusks just shatter under the force of your hit. You seem to have just... Like, if this guy did survive, huge dishonor on him. He's he's happier being dead at this point. Uh, but yes, he is no longer in combat. Uh, cool. So, then next I'll, up... Yep. I'll turn around and move towards the Golden King, ignoring the Goblin. I don't see the Goblin as much of a threat. Alright, Goblin's gonna try and stab out against you, uh, and gets a 19 as you walk by. A shield flares back up. Okay. And I'll just look at him. Go away. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Uh, so then next up is the Golden King who sees uh, Alora. you have been like combating back and he seems much more focused on you now. Um, and that is a 17 to hit. Oh, you, oh, never mind. I can't do that. Okay. Uh, so that is going to be... For 12 points of slashing damage, but you are raging, so reduce that down to 6. And then he's going to try and bite out against you. And he seems to be favoring your left side as he continues to uh, attack you. And that is a... Oh, that's rude. <laughs> 21 to hit. That hits. Okay. Uh, and then that is going to be for 8 points of piercing damage, but cut in half down to 4. <laughs> All right, and then the one goblin uh, who, you know what? Yeah, it's better that he, he leaves at this point. This is a bad time for him. You see him actually like beginning to climb up the wall away from where you guys are, heading towards what looks to be a little opening in the roof, uh, in the ceiling of this cave, and just making his way away from this. Uh, next up is slam gob woohoo uh still with the hex going on glaive to the big guy okay 
19 to hit. Yeah, that'll hit. Roll for damage. And uh, 5 and 4, 9. 9 points of, of damage. Okay. From the packed weapon. And, and hex. necrotic. 5 points of necrotic damage from the hex. Okay. So this creature looks like it is barely able to keep its form together. It seems like it's having some real problems with all of the damage that you guys have been racking mm-hmm. onto it. Uh, so, Cornell, what would you like to do? Uh, bonus action, I would like to move my uh, my healing spirit 30 feet. Uh, would I be able to bring it toward oh, me? Yep, easily. Okay. I'll get two hit points back. Woo! Uh, for my action, I'm going to need Mr. Goldie dude, to make a con save. 15. That's my turn. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sounds good. So, Alora, what would you like to do? Uh, we're just, we're going to attack with the stabby thing still. Okay. With advantage. <laughs> So 16 and a 9, so we'll go with 16. Okay, that'll hit. Roll for damage. Yeah. Okay. What does it look like when Alora defeats the Golden King? Woo! Describe this for me. She's just gonna, she's gonna give him a good jab, and then she's just gonna be really, really surprised that it worked. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did it! Hey, Laura! <laughs> Look, I did it! It's very good. Okay. Push it off your spear. Don't let it, don't let it melt your spear. I'll get another spear. Okay. Yeah, so you, you managed to kick this thing off, and you watch as it as it falls backwards and kind of tumbles into the pit where it was, as its body hits the ground, it just splatters out, no longer able to keep its form. Uh, and you guys are able to successfully grab the uh, large gear. As you look at it, you realize that this gear was actually uh, a very nice looking brass, uh, but it was close enough to a golden color that the goblins who stole it probably thought that this was what they were looking for. But you manage to pick that up amongst yourselves, uh, exit the cave, and make your way back out towards uh, towards the Hotel of the Laughing Tree. And once you arrive there uh, and you present AJ with this large gear, he seems baffled uh, in one of the ways where it's like, I don't, I didn't ask for this. I don't know. I didn't know how to ask for this. You guys have done this thing. He feels like he is forever in your debt as uh, his station within the Brewers Guild, uh, as you find out, was actually a little bit at stake if he had lost the gear forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so he says for the remainder of the New Gears Festival that you are all more than welcome to stay uh, with food, room and board covered uh, at the Hotel of the Laughing Tree so long as you find yourselves within Port Eris. Uh, and you know that the celebration itself is going to be happening in a couple days. And as you are waiting for all of that to happen, Alora, uh, there are nights where you are going to rest, where you get a kind of creeping voice in the back of your head uh, that says, um, 
with hair like the sun, we could rule this plane together. Do you embrace me, my golden queen? Do I, do I tell everyone about these? I don't voices? know. Do you? I think I do. Over breakfast, I'm just like, so... I think someone's trying to talk to me in my head, but I don't mm-hmm. know if it's my imagination mm-hmm. or if it's really happening. That's almost oh. never good. What does it say? Yeah, that's unfitting, well, Al. Talk about me joining and being a queen and like golden hair. And mm-hmm. I got a lot of golden hair, so I'm assuming it's referencing me. Hmm. Do you want to be a queen? No. That's then way tell too it much. to go away. Too much people stuff. No. That's, yeah, it's too much people stuff. Yeah. Does the voice have a body attached to it? I'm just hearing a voice, right? You're yeah. hearing a voice, and internally the voice seems to originate from your stump. It doesn't have a body, but it sounds like it's coming from Stumpy. Do we have to cut off the rest of your arm? I'd prefer to keep what I have left. <laughs> I mean, if you have a cursed, stumpy arm. And during the day, Slamgob will go around and use his uh, massive persuasion and or deceit skills to attempt to rabble-rouse someone resembling a priest into helping uh, helping with Alora's arm. Okay. Uh, yeah, so when the priest shows up and attempts to kind of fix the situation with, uh, with Alora's arm, uh, they, there doesn't seem like there's anything that they can actually do via magics. It seems like the arm itself, uh, was not destroyed, but is somehow misplaced. Uh, and they aren't exactly sure how to go about returning that arm as typically any kind of restoration magic is only for if the object itself is destroyed or the appendage is destroyed so somewhere something out there still has your arm you're not exactly sure what it what's going on with it but it is currently uh no longer there and the priest also recognizes that it seems like there is some sort of uh, abyssal influence in the stump that you have. Uh, as it seems like the Golden King, while he was in combat with you, actually left a portion of himself within you, Alora, Seeing as how you were golden of hair uh, and the strong, and presumably one of the stronger ones of the group. Uh, but... Your mental fortitudes are of absolutely no concern uh, towards it. You just sort of brush off that tiny voice uh, that tries to uh, creep back in every once in a while without any real issue. And as the festival goes on, uh, the Tinkerer's Guild actually presents you with a mechanical left arm that you can have instead as they owe you their thanks for returning, uh, returning the gear to them. And you guys find yourself now uh, outside of the, or within the central festivity area. And you can see uh, a parade is coming through as people begin to march in with these large gears, uh, specifically the gear that you have found. 
And they are heading up in front of the Grand Clock, and you can see that the individuals from the Tinkerer's Guild are wearing these very deep, uh, deep blue-colored robes. They all have face masks over their heads uh, that look like they have gears kind of interchanged over them, uh, <laughs> very much in a priestly attire. And as they are presented with this gear and the ceremony begins, uh, you see them uh, form a small circle and then begin chanting. And as they begin chanting, you watch as the gear raises up off the ground and actually soars up to the clock itself. And you watch as every gear on the clock begins to separate and come outward as they all continue turning. But you see small trails of arcane energy that link each of the uh, teeth bits of the cogs to each other to continue this large moving clock. And you watch as this, again, uh, this large gear comes up and finds its place amongst the chaos and seems to rest in a section where it begins ticking, ticking away. And as you all watch this clock, you see uh, that from it, there is a ripple. There seems to be some sort of magical effect that seems to take place. And you watch as this hour hand, this mystical blue uh, spectral hour hand appears. And you watch as it begins turning clockwise down the side of what looks to be this large clock face and as it reaches to uh the uh highest facing point once again from where it started you see that that line that is then formed from the clock actually tears apart and looking into it you can see that there is just an endless field of clockwork there's golden skies bronze gears all turning and as the people of the town all stare in wonder and amazement at whatever it is the Tinkerer's Guild has done this year, you all watch as forms begin to come out of this portal. You see that they are small spheres, cubes. They look like triangles with little wings. As a wave of these mechanical constructs fall out onto the material plane leading to the march of the modrons and that mm -hmm. is where we will call it for tonight's or today's adventure so i'd like to say thank you to everybody who decided to stop by and enjoy uh the golden king adventure <laughs> i had a great time with this i absolutely <laughs> love it uh but alas that is the end of our show so Sarah, where can we find you? What do you do? Uh, you can find me here on Twitch. My username is Streaming Sarah. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter, where I'm under my real name, Sarah Gittler. Yes. And Jen, where can we find you? What do you do? You can find me over at Twitter, at LaughMakerDnd. Uh, just come tweet that to me, whatever you want. I like to engage with the community. Find me here. You can find me over at the SS Adventures on Sundays and Wednesdays and every other Thursday over at the RPG Lab. All right. Cyber, where can we find you? What do you do? Hi, I'm Cyber. You can find me at Cyberwolf1201 on, on the internets where I, I tweet shit posts mostly. But sometimes I tweet about whenever I go live on twitch.tv slash Cyberwolf1201 where I play games so badly, so very badly. So very, very badly. But I talk about lore and world building and stuff because, you know, that's what I like. We're starting a new game 
tonight at 7 p.m. Central Time. Uh, watch underscore dogs. Uh, I haven't played it before, but apparently, apparently it was good. Uh, I'm real excited for uh, the Watch Dogs Legion uh, that's dropping next year. So yeah, I'm gonna be gonna be doing some some blind playthrough of that. Uh, archives of that go to a YouTube channel that has a very horrible URL, but you can find it from that Twitch page. Uh, you can also find a podcast that Kyle with an N and I do called Let's Talk About It, where we get drunk, do parkour, and talk about the uh, RPG stuff we had going on we uh might be recording a new episode real soon uh yeah (laughs) for other rpg stuff i'm here on the indoor adventures channel (laughs) on mondays playing arjan arjan the uh the 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 dragonborn yeah and i'm on thursdays playing alvis i'm so tired. <laughs> you got through it, buddy. You got through it. You did Yay. it. You can take a sweet nap after this. <laughs> right. And GB, where can we find you? What do you do? Graybeard, Graybeard Tavern. Check my Twitter, and that's where you'll find my schedule, which needs to be updated. But uh, usually start off the week Sunday, Sunday, Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, with just a little bit of Darkest Dungeon from 10 to noon. And you know there, there may be someone shooting a crossbow in their basement, or you know um, wielding a pickaxe, or greatsword, or a mace, or you know any of my other fun toys. Um, but then, five o'clock uh, Sunday nights, we play Apocalypse World, where I get to wield weapons, guns, and other such that I modded out of Nerf weapons. So uh, you know we get uh, we get to play Apocalypse World over on Encounter Roleplay's channel. And then uh, Monday and Tuesday, I usually hang out and chat over on Indoor's channel. Just uh, hang out with the Four Keeps and the Curse of Strahd folks, because they're awesome. And Wednesdays, now, <laughs> I'm going to start at 5 o'clock on Pro Restarters channel, playing Stars Without Numbers. And we'll be playing 5 to 8 there. And then 8.30, I go over to Barry, <laughs> Damn it, Barry's channel, where we play Salt Marsh, where I am a Warforged gunslinger. And that should be all of my week, except for one more episode. The final episode of this season of Blood Debt is not this Friday, but the following Friday, uh, where I play a cop, a SWAT team cop, dirty SWAT team cop, in uh, Miami in 2037. Anyway, check everybody out. These guys are all amazing. We love them, so thanks. Yes, and if you have made it this far, you probably already know who I am, but if you don't, Hey, fella, what's up? It's me, your buddy, your pal, your friend, the Indoor Adventurer, the showrunner here at twitch.tv slash Indoor Adventures, where we stream our homebrew game on Mondays, Curse of Strahd on Tuesdays, Ghosts of Saltmarsh on Thursdays, and then Saturday, well, it's more stuff like this. It's going to be one-shots, and if we can't get a one-shot together, then it's just going to be like painting or doing art. It's a community day because you guys are important to me, and I want to do my best to give back to you guys. Uh, One of the other things that we do to give back to our community is our after show called Nights in the Courtyard, which feels weird because it's daytime. Uh, (laughs) But that is the uh, after show where we answer questions not only from each other, but also from the community at large. Uh, So 
If that interests you, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash indooradventures and uh, hear more from these fine folks. So we are going to be heading into, yeah, JD put it, afternoons in the courtyard. Uh, <laughs> and we will see all of you guys next time. All right, everybody. Bye-bye.